Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. come to the time in our service in which the scripture is read, and one way we honor God's word is we stand for it. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verses, we're actually going to read 1 through 8. This is the word of God that we as the people of God get to hear and get to be transformed by. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we do give you thanks for this word and this day and your truth, God. We pray that we would not uh, merely be hearers of the word, but Lord, that your word would transform our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Probably most people, I'm assuming in this room, know who Michael Phelps is, um, the um, all-time medalist um, kind of in Olympic history. Of course, um, in 2008, he won eight Olympic gold medals, which is just kind of unfathomable. Like, I can't even imagine, like, going to the Olympics, let alone um, getting a medal, let alone winning eight times. And so not only did he have this historic performance at the 2008 Olympics, but he also had a historic diet as well. And during those Olympic Games, he ate allegedly 12,000 calories a day. Now, you may be wondering, what does 12,000 calories a day look like? So this is what um, a, a kind of a day in the li- Olympic life of Michael Phelps look like. Some of you are thinking, wow, um, I, I wish I could do that. Um, that's a lot of, of food. I did read that it may not have been 12,000 calories. It may have only been like eight to 10,000 calories a day, um, but still a crazy amount of food that he was eating. Now, of course, not only did he consume that, amongst that many calories, but he also spent um, a ton of calories as he 
was winning his races. And that's why for me, my, my alternate title um, that did not fit in the bulletin for my sermon today is this, how Michael Phelps' 2008 Olympic diet and performance is a great metaphor for how to live the Christian life. All right, so you see why it's uh, uh, not in the bulletin today. But I really do think there's a lot that we can learn from, from the way in which he dieted and also the way that he expended his energy. Now, the first thing as it relates to the Christian life and as it relates to Michael Phelps and the way he ate is the first thing you have to do is you have to come to the table. It's hard to eat unless you come to the table to eat, right? I mean, there's many things that we can do virtually or digitally now, but one thing we have not been able yet to figure out is how to eat digitally, right? And so if you're going to want to eat, then you have to, you have to come to the table. You have to be present, I remember hearing a quote, you know, decisions are made by people who show up. I think it was Woody Allen that said 80% of success is showing up. And in fact, it, it is important that we make ourselves present. I love what it says in, in this first verse that we read. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship that it matters where we put our bodies. It matters that we are present with and among other people. I remember talking to a a lady. She had been going to church her whole life, had gone to Sunday school and worship her whole life. Um, And and she probably knew more about the Bible than than most of us um, around here. And one of the things that, that she said is she said, I realize that I don't always have to go to church for myself. I do like coming to church and I do get filled. But one of the most important reasons I come to church is not for myself, but it's for other people. And she said, I've learned that when I show up, I can be an encouragement to people in my Sunday school class or in my worshiping community. That it matters, our presence matters. And I think that that is true for us, that we can be people who encourage one another and that we can be present with and for one another. It's not always easy to to be present, not just physically, but also mentally, right? I know that there are probably times, and I've sat out there where you've sat, where all of a sudden the preacher's talking and all of a sudden I'm thinking about something else, right? And also in our world, we are not generous with our attention towards one another, we often are finding ways to entertain ourselves. We're, we're paying attention to our phone instead of being present with our community and our people right around us. And so I think one of the first things that we have to do is just show up and that we have to be present with one another, that we present our bodies. We put ourselves in position, all right, to grow in our faith and to be in community with other people. And so we have to come to the table. Now, the next thing that we have to do is that we have to consume appropriately, all right? We live in a world that is always busy consuming something. Food is, of course, one of the big things that we do. I went to to Walmart earlier this week um, just to kind of check out something. I needed to get a few things, but I went to Walmart and I decided to see how many different kinds of Oreos you could buy. And there were 17 different kinds of Oreos for sale at Walmart, all right? Now, there have been about 85 different kinds of Oreos, all right, that there have been. Some of you are like, I've never tried the jelly donut or the kettle corn um, donut, but 
I mean, like some of these, like PB and J, I don't think really is what I want. I mean, like once they made the double stuff, I thought like you figured it out, right? Like this is good enough. But there's all these options, and that's just Oreos. I mean, going to the grocery store is, is overwhelming in the number of choices that we have to consume. And so we have so many options to consume food, but also not only food do we have options to consume, but information we have options to consume. In fact, it's crazy the amount of information that's being created. In fact, every two days, we create as much information or data as we did from the entire beginning of human civilization till 2003. And so if you're ever wondering, why do I feel like I'm always behind the news cycle? It's because the news cycle changes every 24 minutes. Is that there is more possible information out there in the world today than we could ever keep up with. There is no possible way you could ever watch all the videos on YouTube. There is just so much that's out there. But we live as people who are constantly consuming information we update our Facebook feed, we scroll Twitter, we look at Instagram, the news just keeps coming with the news alerts. Probably even this morning, some of you have gotten news alerts about this, that, or the other, and we're constantly consuming information. We can consume entertainment as well. Um, I remember back in the day, if I wanted to watch Saved by the Bell, I'd have to like be home at three o'clock in the afternoon just so I could watch Saved by the Bell because it was only on between three and four. All right, but now, if you want to watch Saved by the Bell, and some of you will want to watch Saved by the Bell now, all right, you, you can do that on Netflix at any point in time, right? But here's the crazy thing about all of our entertainment options that we have, is that there is so much that it's overwhelming. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll just go to Netflix and I'll just scroll, and nothing sounds good. I have more options than ever before, but nothing seems to be what I want to watch. And not only can we consume entertainment, but we also have an opportunity to consume faith. There is more faith in religious content that is available to us now than ever before. And some of it is just high quality, great stuff. There are, um, the Bible app is a great tool to be able to read the Bible and do devotions. There are, are great teachers and preachers that, whose podcasts you can listen to at any point in time. Articles continually come out. Um, that are great, let alone all the category of books that are available on your Kindle. We have this great opportunity to be shaped and formed by God's Word, but just as if a diet, you need to have a healthy balance, so too in how we consume information do we need to have a healthy balance. I think entertainment is a good thing, but so often our entertainment or information far outweighs the religious input that we get and the faith that we are able to see. I love what it says here in Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so as we consume things, and particularly as we consume religious and faith and Christian content, all right, we need to be, be looking about how is it transforming us not just is it making us smarter. I think there's a big difference between being smart and being wise. Being wise is discerning what is the will of God for you. Being smart is knowing, all right, the, the answers to Bible trivia. It matters being smart. It's more important to be wise. And so this is what happens whenever we encounter it. It shouldn't just be like entertainment that we take in and information that we want. 
All right? We don't read the Bible like we read the newspaper. We read the Bible so that it speaks to us and transforms us. We believe that when we encounter the Word of God is that it should transform us and that it should renew our minds. But yet so often we just take it in. And one of the dangers, I feel, of the American church, because we have so much good information out there and because there's so much good content, we can just consume and consume and consume, but we never expend that energy. And so what happens is that we can become fat, comfortable Christians with all this good religious knowledge without exercising our faith in the way that God calls us to. Because that ultimately is the third thing, is is we have to come to the table, we are called to consume appropriately, but then we are called to contribute generously. It's not just about taking in, but it's about giving out. If Michael Phelps had just ate all the food but had never exercised and hadn't swam, it would not be good for his body. In fact, this body that was uniquely made to be a swimmer. And so I came across an article that, that talked about why Michael Phelps was sort of designed to be this perfect swimmer. This is what it says. Simply put, Phelps has the anthropometrics, and I'm not sure what that word means, but it's out there for you, of the perfect swimmer. From head to toe, his body type and proportions are uniquely suited for swimming with both speed and endurance. And so it talks about how he's six foot four, which is tall but not too tall. Too much. If he was much taller, he wouldn't have the same power. But, but because he's six four, he has a long wingspan, all right? And so his arms are really long. And also he has a really long torso, which enabled him to be more hydrodynamic, which had less... Um, kind of less drag in the water. And so this long torso apparently is really good for swimming, but also meant that he had short legs. He had the legs of a six-foot person, which meant his legs were more powerful, which also helped with his, and it was their words, not mine, flipper-like feet, all right, that he was able to use in in the water. And also his body was extremely flexible and they said he was probably double jointed and so he had extra kind of flexibility and movement. His body was uniquely created to be a swimmer that the world has never seen. And also that his body produces less lactic acid and so his recovery time was quicker than the normal person. And so why was he able to swim one extremely competitive race in the morning and then come back and swim another in the evening? It's because of that. And so here, Michael Phelps was designed in some ways to be this incredible swimmer, and he made the most of his abilities. And I think that here in our text, it reminds us that we are each given unique abilities and that we are all called to contribute to the body of Christ. I mean, this is what it says in verse 3. Is it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has provided. And so it's not for, for each of us to look at and say, well, I'm better than you because my gift is different. Or that because I'm able to do this, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. It's like what we said with the, with the kids, right? It'd be silly for the eye to say to the ear, I'm better than you. But yet sometimes as, as people, we can, look at other, we can look down on other people because we feel that our gift might be better than others. And so what Paul tells us is, for as in one body we have many members, 
and the members do not all have the same function. And so this is one of the great things about the church, is that we need one another, is that we have different functions, but they're all of the same value. I think one of the big questions that we ask ourselves is, what difference do I make? And sometimes it's real easy to see the, the difference that you make because maybe the, the gift that you have works well on a stage or, or maybe it's easily sort of noticed because it's like, oh, we need people to work with children and we see people who have the gift with children. But we don't notice the behind-the-scenes folks as well. And what this reminds us of is that the body of Christ, we need everything from flipper-like feet to a long torso to a long wingspan. We need everything in order to contribute and so we have different functions but we all have equal worth and whatever gift we have we're called to contribute generously Um, it would have been one thing for for michael phelps to have ran some race but he decided to make the most of his abilities this is what our scripture says that the one who contributes in generosity that whatever you and i have to contribute that we are called to contribute generously And we can be generous when we know and believe that we all have something to contribute. Everybody in this room, everybody in our church has something to offer this body of Christ and offer this community. And I'd love to help you find that sweet spot for you in which you can contribute and contribute generously. One of the fun ways that I've seen people contribute and contribute generously is at a potluck, right? Because at a potluck, we just all sort of bring our own items. Now, when I was in Mulder, Oklahoma, there was a lady, the first funeral I did was for a lady named Paula. Now, now Paula was known as one of the best cooks around town, all right? And so now this was a big deal in, in Mulder to be the best cook in town. Now, she couldn't win that title because there were other UMW ladies who claimed that title, all right? But, but so we had like six people who believed they were the best cook in town, all right? Now, Paula wanted everybody to know that she was the best cook and that nobody quite made it like her. And so her, her daughter and granddaughter and great-granddaughter, they all went to the church, and, and they, they told me the story when, that when she passed away that, that they would never be able to make food like she did because when she would make something, um, people would say, can I have the recipe? And she would give them the recipe, but there would always be either an ingredient missing or something else so that nobody made it like Paula did. They took their potluck seriously in Mulder, all right? I want us to think about how we can contribute generously here. And so in two weeks, I want us to try something, which is to have Mustang's best potluck ever in our church, all right? I want, this is a very competitive community, I've learned quickly, all right? And so here's what I want us to do, is in two weeks, I want you to bring your best. Whatever it is that you make, and that you make better than anybody else. If you make the best chicken and dumplings in town, bring them, all right? If you can smoke some meat, all right, you've got the brisket, I want to eat your brisket, all right? If you're the best at making breakfast, then bring all the bacon you can bring, okay? I expect there to be all these wonderful cakes and pies, and hash brown casseroles, and a little bit of everything, and I want you to put your name on it so that we can see who brought and who's going to contribute generously there. I know some of you are thinking, I know what I'm going to make, all right? That's good. That's what we want you to do. So in two weeks, as a way of us living this out and believing that we all have something to contribute after this service, we're going to have the best potluck 
ever. And so whatever you bring, we want you to contribute and contribute generously. And I want us just to have a feast and enjoy. Now, we may all need to go swimming like Michael Phelps afterwards, all right? So maybe we should have the best potluck ever at 12.15 and the best workout ever at 3.30, okay? Um, uh, we need to expend those calories, right? But, but I, I believe that we all have something to offer. And, and one of the ways that we're going to just try this out as a community is to contribute generously, is to bring a meal and to bring whatever it is that you do best. Bring it and contribute generously, all right? Are you all game for that? Two weeks? All right, come hungry, leave happy, right? Now, the other thing that we're going to, to do um, as a way of sort of living generously um, is a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago, I met with a lady, um, her name's Katrina, um, who, who's the kind of director of student services in Mustang schools. And we were talking about what could we do as a community, to, to, as a church, to help out our school community. And, and so as we were talking about things, I really was hoping that she would say, we need glasses, because that really goes with our 2020 vision. And so that then we could provide glasses for all the school. But unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, somebody already does that. Um, and so it's great. So they don't need glasses. And so we began to talk about different things that we were doing. And so we talked about our Embrace service that we're having and the sensory kits that um, we were making. And so she talked about how that's becoming so common in their school, especially in special needs classrooms. But they learned that all these different manipulatives and other things that can help calm kids down is really a gift in all of their classrooms, but not a lot of the classrooms have it. And so after talking with our finance committee, um, we have decided that for every generosity covenant that we get on November the 10th, we are going to purchase a calm down crate for one of our elementary classrooms in Mustang Public Schools. So it's really gonna be an opportunity for us not just to receive generosity as a church, but to be and embody generosity for our community. So there are nine elementary schools in Mustang. Two of them already have calm down crates um, in their classroom, so that leaves us seven schools kindergarten through fourth, that's 160 classrooms, all right? And we also want to do that for our preschool. So we're going to need 164 generosity covenants in order to be able to get all these calm down crates. They're going to be about $50 a piece. But we believe as the people of God that we don't just, the generosity is not something we want from you, but it's what we want for you to be a generous person. And also we want to embody that generosity in our community. And so over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be getting a letter and also having an opportunity to just pray and think about how is God calling you to be generous, to make a commitment to be a generous person in 2020, and then to live that out here at Mustang United Methodist Church. And as we do that, I think we're going to make a tremendous difference in the lives of our kids in our community. And so what we're going to end up doing is purchasing a variety of different items. We'll have a day in which we put all these items together, um, and then we'll deliver them to the schools, and we'll just get a chance to make all these kids' day. Because we are generous people because God has been generous to us. I mean, this is it's the truth. Is it's not about what we can do, but it's about what God has done for us, that he has poured so much into us that we are called to be people who, who live it out. I mean, God could have saved the world probably in a lot of different ways, but he did it in the most generous way by sending his son into the world who lived and who died and who was resurrected so that we may have life and have life abundantly is the promise. We may have life and have it generously because he loves us so much. And so sometimes it feels like we don't have enough. 
Sometimes it feels like we just barely survive. But what God wants to do is that he just pours out his grace abundantly. When we're struggling, he just can give us grace upon grace. In fact, when we're living in his presence, we can receive even more and more grace because we receive more and more God. There is no end to God's generosity because there is no end to his love. And so he's contributed, he's paid it all for us. And he's inviting us to give of ourselves. And so we as the people of God, we we choose to be present with one another. We choose to show up. When other people may be by themselves, we're choosing to show up for each other and for others. We're going to consume appropriately. We're going to learn. Our mind is going to be renewed. And then we're going to, whenever we have the opportunity and however we can, we're going to contribute generously. And so I look forward to our potluck. I look forward to our generosity covenants and being able to provide for our community. But I just look even more forward to us not just doing acts of generosity, but becoming generous people in every way that we live because we get to serve a generous God. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.